Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. As always, you heard Astros PA announcer Bob Ford introducing us, which is the perfect mood setter for our Astros playoff preview. This is Robert alongside co-host Stephen Curran. On the line is our OG Houston sports talk host, RG Seal, who also wrote a great preview piece for our website, which we can get into. Also with us is Greg Lucas, who most of you will remember from his decades on the Astros broadcast team. And let me start with you, Greg, because it's been a while since you and I have spoken. Uh, and this Astro team, you know, it, it, it's it's been an incredible season. Before I get to the playoff preview, I just want to ask you about this season because Jeff Blum made the point that the odds are we won't ever see an Astros team this good and a regular season this remarkable again. Forget about an Astros team. How many teams, period, have you seen more loaded than this one? Well, I haven't, and that's the whole point. And, and here's, I'm not, as you know, I'm not a huge fan of some of these esoteric modern stats to, to rank guys. But I'll tell you what, this is one case where when you do it, this team ranks possibly as the greatest team of all time based on uh, the numbers. And uh, that's saying something. But I, certainly I don't, I don't think, uh, forget that, even if the other 30 teams, you know, they all have somebody that might be better. I don't think you're going to do better than this team. They may still have some World Series winners, and in the next five years they may have several. But uh, as far as being actually better than this team, no, I don't see how they can be. Greg, having said that, we know that the Astros will be facing the Rays now, but they are 6-11 and 11 against them since 2017. What challenges do you think the Rays are going to pose for the Astros and the ALDS, if anything? Well, I've, I've done some research on this based just this year, because I only care about this year. I don't care about last year because last year was last year. There's some players that are different, some pitchers that are different on both sides. But this year, uh, the one thing that I think Astro fans need to be aware is of the big three starting pitchers, only one has been dominant against them in his two starts. That was Verlander, which is great because he's going to get game one. But Cole has been almost, uh, well, he, he gave up some runs. And uh, as far as uh, Grinky was concerned, that was his worst start of his Astro career. And that was against Tampa Bay. So, can't take them lightly because uh, for some reason they have uh, they have done okay against the two of the big three, and that's what the Astros are pinning so much hope on. And that may be why it's imperative, Greg, to win the first two games at home at Minute Park with Verlander and Cole because sitting up there for game three is Charlie Morton. Already saw what he can do in, a, in game sevens and a wild card play-in game. Charlie Martin has the history of really pitching well. If you go out there – either down 0-2 or 1-1 with Charlie Morton waiting in the wings uh, against Zach Greinke. That would be advantage raise. And then the, the tide of the series, the momentum can switch in a hurry. Well, it might be advantage raise, but don't forget, uh, Charlie lost 15, a 15-1 to game to the Astros this year. So, you know, it really depends on what's happening on that particular day. Yes, Charlie can be very dangerous at the same token uh, as the Astros proved in one of his starts against them this year. Uh, he can be very ineffective. So, I, I think that we're just – I think the, the odds favor the Astros, no question. They had a 10-game better record during the regular season. But 97 wins is still a lot of wins. And so uh, I think Astro fans simply have to understand that uh, this could go from anywhere from uh, a victory to a loss uh, to a sweep. Everything's on the board uh, starting in game one. 
The pitching matchups, it's Verlander and Glasgow in game one, Cole and Blake Snell in game two, and Granke and Morton in game three. You mentioned, Greg, the uh, performances against the Rays. Verlander, Cole, and Granke, at least this year, combined for a one point. 6-9 ERA and 23 innings against the Rays. That's deceiving, though, because it was all Verlander. The other two did not pitch that well. Greinke pitched once. Now, if there, someone figured up what he did when he was maybe pitched against him when he was in Arizona, I don't know. But his uh, his numbers were five earned runs in five and a third innings. And so that's going to drag it up. And uh, in Cole's start, he had one where he gave up four earned runs in about six and a third, I think I recall, and uh, wasn't much better than the other. It was all Verlander who allowed two runs, and I didn't look at the box score. I'm guessing that maybe one of them wasn't even earned. So uh, it was all really on him as far as the matchup between these two. Maybe that was an Astros PR thing or something that I saw this stat from. McTaggart printed it, and it's correct, I'm assuming, but it's misleading because Verlander did all the work. He did all the good stuff. Rays manager Kevin Cash, Greg, played 20 games with the Astros in 2010. Give me all your Kevin Cash memories as an Astro. Do you even remember that? I remembered that he was on the team, but I I don't even remember anything he did in a game. I I mean, he may have done something, but uh, I certainly certainly don't remember. But uh, 2010, we were starting the slide then, and uh, this team was having a lot of guys coming and going uh, during the 10, 11, and 12 season. Well, actually into 13 and 14 to a degree. And so I don't remember anything outstanding that he did. I'm sorry to say. RG, you wrote about your three concerns as part of uh, your Astros piece. What are your concerns going into hey, the series? Hey, why start off with the uh, yeah, three strengths? Don't you want to start off with a positive? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. No, uh, yeah, basically, three concerns. I was just thinking of with because as Greg's kind of enunciated here, the Astros have a super team. This is uh, probably the greatest team in history. I don't know if we'll ever see something like this again. Uh, so... With that in mind, how do you pick the three concerns for a team? So looking at it, well, first of all, injuries. We know coming into this series that that Carlos Correa has a back problem. He had a back problem last postseason. It affected him at the plate. So to me, that's going to be a big concern, seeing how injuries affect the Astros. Second thing is, of course, the bullpen. Robert Roberto Asuna pitched well the last months of the season, but we saw him be very shaky as a closer in July and August. And even when he does have success in closeout games, it's often with base runners on. People don't have confidence in him when they see him in the postseason either because he's had a couple of postseason blowups. So for me, that's a big thing with the bullpen and especially with Presley coming back from injury, getting back to injuries. And the third thing is something we've just already mentioned today, too, about randomness in in October. It's a five-game series. These things you can win, you can lose, as Greg was saying. With the bounce of a ball, things can change in a hurry this uh, this Tampa Bay team won a lot of games they advanced in the playoffs they're going to match up you know in certain areas very well with the Astros so I mean in a five game series uh, it's happened before uh, you just have to look back Justin Verlander can look back at 2013 when the Detroit Tigers trotted out Max Scherzer uh, Justin Verlander and David Price and they got swept by the Baltimore Orioles so that's just what you need to remember in these kind of short series piggybacking on that uh, Greg I want to kind of get your take on this uh, my biggest concerns for the Astros aside from say the fourth starter issue is their propensity even lately against some of the weaker teams 
to leave a lot of runners on base. It happened in the Angels series, and it's happened at other times throughout the season. Is that a big concern for you as, as we head into the ALDS, even though the, the offense has is, is certainly been putting up record-setting numbers, but they do have that time every now and then where they just leave a lot of runners on base? You know, timing in baseball is everything, and I, I agree with you because the Astros scored a record number of runs for them this year, but they also had a record number of base runners. And in a particular game, uh, you know, their numbers for, like, for instance, hitting with runners in uh, scoring position or uh, runners on third base with less than two outs, the numbers show that they aren't bad. They're pretty good. The problem is when you get those numbers. For instance, if you get if you're in a close game, uh, if you remember last year against the Red Sox, the Red Sox always got the hits with two outs and runners in scoring position. The Astros didn't. That was the difference in that whole series. And that can be the difference in in any series, particularly if you're having trouble getting a whole lot of runs against the opposing pitching. And let me point out, uh, in the first series of the year when they lost, uh, you know, they, they they won the first game and then lost three straight. They had a couple of games at the Tampa Bay where they scored one run each. In fact, one of those, I believe, was started by the uh, gentleman who's going to start the opening game uh, tomorrow. Uh, so they have to, they, you know, they have to take advantage. They have to get runners in from third base with uh, less than two outs. I know the numbers show they're pretty good at it, but I saw, like you, a number of games late in the season where they didn't follow those numbers, and uh, and 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 it hurt. You know, someone would strike out, Altuve would strike out, or Altuve would hit a soft ground ball, and that runner would still be at third base, and the next guy would hit a fly ball that might have been a sacrifice fly if he'd done it one batter earlier. I saw a lot of that. I saw enough of it that uh, yeah, it has to concern you, and uh, and uh, because that's the indication just. Uh, just just a couple of things not going right can be the difference in a particular game or two. I will say on top, on top of that, though, you're right. Uh, situational hitting and being able to drive in run when runners are on base is going to be critical or key. But uh, the postseason is a completely different animal, too, because, uh, you know, a lot of these instances with the Astros, you know, were playing. They were playing against the Mariners and the Angels toward the end of the season. And, of course, that's kind of what you're you're you're, you're going to be seeing and, and, and evaluating this and saying, well, they weren't able to drive in the runs. But these pitchers, as soon as I get a, a, a runner on base in October, I mean, everything is amplified. It's also going to be very tough for them, too. So certain batters who have thrived in the postseason, you've seen it with Yuli Gurriel, you've seen it with Alex Bregman, you've seen it with Jose Altuve. The Astros have shown through through the recent postseason success that when it, there are opportunities to drive in runs, they've been able to collect, they've been able to do that. Whether they'll be able to do it against this Tampa Bay Rays pitching staff, which has a lot of very good arms uh, to be determined, because as you mentioned at the very beginning of the season, they had those problems. But I, I also just want to point out that it's not only difficult for players at the plate having to come up with those pressure hits, but it's also difficult for the uh, pitchers on the mound. Everything's amplified in the postseason. Well, absolutely, and I think it's also important to point out the Rays pitching was more effective against them in that opening series of the season than it was when they came into Houston. Houston uh, won two out of three, and there were some runs scored in all three of the games. Uh, so uh, their pitching was not as much of a problem. Uh, the one problem I do remember was against Greinke, uh, and as I recall, they were just hitting the ball where it ain't. Uh, it was almost as though they were getting dribblers through the old, through the extreme shift. There weren't well-hit balls at all, and they were just trying to put the bat on the ball against Greinke instead of over-swinging, and it, it paid off. And 
if any team should know how this works, it would probably be Tampa Bay because the, the, they and the Astros are the two greatest overshifters in baseball and uh, extreme shifters. And th- it works statistically, no question about it. But I'm one of those guys who, in certain circumstances, wants the team to get off of that in a double play situation or with some hitters that can can on occasion hit the ball the other way, even if it's mishit. It bothers me far more to see a weak little grounder going to a position where a fielder would normally be than hit a line shot because they weren't overshifted for him. I, I, I just that bothers me more. They, those those things that should not be hits. And I know that on the big picture, the overshifts and the extreme shifts are do work. But when they don't work, that really bugs me. I got to admit, that really bugs me. Hey, I have a question for all of you guys here. Uh, you were mentioning Zach Grinke, uh, Greg. What do you think? Do you think this is a huge postseason for him as far as uh, moving ahead? Because it's it's just uh, he's had these struggles in the postseason with the Dodgers, with Arizona. So what do you think of his postseason outlook here? Well, I think it's important for two reasons. Number one, um, don't forget, the Astros have a quandary with coal. They need a lot of money. No one's talking about this, but what if they consider trying to trade Grinky if, in fact, he does not look efficient? Even though they've got two, because he's got two years left on the contract, and even if they had to pay some of it, as as the Diamondbacks are, uh, that could clear up some space. Uh, it's just something to think about because uh, um, they do still have some young hard arms, and they really like hard throwers uh, in the system. And who knows? And plus, you've got some people coming back. So uh, I, I think that could be an option if, in fact, he does not perform well in the postseason. But I think he's going to be all right because he's, uh, you know, he's an experienced veteran and. They can usually make adjustments when they have to. I think where Grinky's concerned is that more that he he's got to have good command of his pitches, or it's 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 over for him as far as being effective. Wouldn't you say, Greg? Oh yeah, that that's the whole point uh, because they can. He's very hard to outguess because he has so many pitches. That really works to his advantage. In fact, that's why he is effective because it's very hard to outguess him. Every so often, you'll see him throw a 93 mile an hour fastball right down the middle, and they'll miss it or they'll take it because they don't know what he's going to throw. And so, the more uh, more good pitches that he can command. Uh, he can be very, very effective. I mean, that's what happened to Wade Miley. He lost command. He he couldn't throw a fastball at the knees that was a strike. They were always balls. And guys like that cannot usually pitch behind in the count, and uh, and that's for both of them. And, and, and Greinke, fortunately, being the veteran he is and 200-plus wins, uh, he, he's, uh, he's able to adjust, I think, and I think that will continue. As we're recording this, uh, we do not know what the Astros – uh, ALDS roster is going to be and how it's going to be constructed. And I'm going to start off with RG, the million dollar question. What do you do with Wade Miley? Is he on your roster? Is he starting game four? What's going on with that? Well, not starting game four because uh, to me, uh, looking at the Astros pitching outlook for this series, you're going to have Verlander, you're going to have Cole, you're going to have Granke. So either you're sweeping that or if you lose one of those games, you're not putting out Wade Miley or even Jose Arcidi with a, even with a two to one lead for a potential closeout game uh, with one of those two guys. You're going back to Verlander. Then you have Cole on full day's rest if you absolutely need to do that. This is more if they advance, they'll need a, uh, the four starter for the next series. 
but as as keeping a left-hander on the roster, I think that's in play because they'll have uh, I think they'll probably do what they've done in, in years past. Even though they're going to have 14 position players and 11 pitchers, I could see Wade Miley being a lefty just to, uh, because if you bring him in from the bullpen, face a batter or two, if he doesn't have it or if he gives up uh, a hit or two, you can just yank him right there. So uh, you don't have to put him in to start the game and then automatically go to your bullpen and have to look for a long reliever to pitch several innings. Uh, this can kind of be like, remember with Liriano, when he was on the roster during the Astros World uh, Series winning season, uh, he would come in as a lefty reliever in certain situations. He didn't perform all that well. I seem to recall he gave up a home run when he came in one time. But at least you have that left-hander. It gives managers on the other foes, uh, on the other team with Tampa Bay, uh, Ken Cash here, something to think about. Oh, they might bring in the left-hander, might bring in Miley in this matchup. So that's why I think that he'll still be on the roster. I think he probably will be on the roster, but I, I think if they're considering anything or they're wondering whether or not, two, he's not worked in relief this year, and B, one of his problems has been command, and that's that would be the concern I would have. Yeah, I don't get the whole idea of bringing him in as a reliever because when he struggled recently, it's been, you know, right at the beginning of the game, and you could say, well, you know, he's going to be, they're going to have a chance to mix and match and all that kind of thing, but you know, it, it would be at the expense of potentially Brad Peacock with all of his experience. And, and I think Abreu is is absolutely in play right now with the way he's pitched. But can I just jump in there with a little bit of disagreement? Wade Miley has had some very good postseasons, and he has pitched out of the pen before. So he has experience doing that. He's not somebody that's, you know, coming in there cold doing that. And just last season, he had actually a pretty good postseason. So I think those two things are also going to be in, in A.J. Hinch's mind. The problem, though, is that you've got to go. I, I feel like you have to ride with who's been most effective most recently. And Wade Miley just hasn't done that. And, Robert, I agree with you. I, in fact, I was going to say my biggest problem with him coming out of the bullpen is his first inning struggles. And if you've got runners on base, you if you're going to bring him in, the Astros either need to be way ahead or way behind where it's not going to be that much of a factor. Because if you bring him in when you've got runners on base, the Astros may be ahead by a run or even down by a run. I'm not putting Wade Miley in there. And and I don't think I don't think it's a big deal to leave him off the roster in the five-game series in the ALDS as much as it might be when you get into a seven-game series. But even then, I'm thinking Urquidy, and I agree with you, Robert, I, Abreu, has just looked lights out. And yeah, I know he's a rookie. He doesn't have the postseason experience, but there are a lot of veterans who don't have postseason experience. And his stuff right now is probably as electric as anybody else's. How much did they really use him down the stretch? That's the thing I'm looking at. I'm looking at Rondon and I'm looking at Jones uh, uh, ahead of him uh, because of the way they were pretty much both used. He pitched some and he was very effective, but it was almost as though we're taking a look at him, but these other guys are going to have to really, really screw up before we move him up. That's just the thinking I have from from the way they used him down uh, down the last couple of weeks. Greg, what did you think about RG says, you know, if the, even if the Astros are up 2-1, they potentially would go to Verlander in a game four? That, that's right, what you said, isn't it, RG? Yeah, I mean, if they're up 2-1 to one and they can close it out with Verlander in Tampa Bay, yes, because they have mm-hmm. Cole coming back on four days, 
uh, rest in a potential game five. And I just want it. We know how uh, you just don't want to take the chance for him for a game five. Verlander has experience. Like Greg said, he's dominated against the Rays. I would much just rather if you're going to go for a closeout game or if you're, you know, even if you're up two to one, if you're going for a closeout game, I don't want to hand the ball to a rookie in his first postseason start or to Wade Miley. I really question whether or not they would not go to their number four guy if they were ahead two to one. I, now, if they're behind two to one, that's almost desperate measures. But I, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure they would uh, skip number four. I, 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 we'll have to wait and see how it turns out. But I, I, uh, I don't think they're worrying about closing out as much with uh, a main guy as you have to factor in what's next also you do have to factor that in and if you've got a if you've got a number 4 which would be your key right now that you you've confidence with i tend to think they would go with him if they're well, ahead. I, I also i also use it based on the experience of remember when in in just 2 years ago and even in a game 4 jj hinch said after the game i wanted to close it out then he brought in Verlander from the bullpen, even though he was scheduled to make that next start. He was like, I want to do everything possible to win that game that day. And it's just I feel like if 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 the Astros, you know, are up two to one, if the if the Rays have given them any kind of problem, if they they just want to close out the game that day and then they'd have Cole either on full rest or, or ready to start the next series which they'd be comfortable with. I, I just, that's kind of my feeling on it. Just based on AJ Hinch's past experience, you have to win the game that day. And Verlander, I don't care on three game, three days rest. Wouldn't you all agree? He gives you the best chance to win, uh, uh, even over or uh, you know, who has no postseason experience that we know of right now. And, uh, you know, Wade Miley, of course. Yeah, I would agree with that, especially in the five game series. Uh, I, and, and I know game five, you know, potentially if it was tied two two, game five would be at Minute Maid Park. But, yeah, I'm kind of the believer that you want to close it out as soon as possible and and go with a Verlander who you're pretty confident can get it done. Well, it'll be interesting to see if it gets to that point. I think that that will be what will be debated internally extensively uh, before we get to that point, uh, because they have to also factor in, okay, if we do win it, uh, what does that do with our rotation for the next series? Because Verlander is going to have to be pushed back a little. And, uh, you know, that, that one is going to be against either the, you know, the Twins or the or the Yankees, and you might want to take the chance that you're going to win uh, when you're at two games to one with your number four guy uh, to keep yourself in the same order that you, you want to be in when you get into the next series. But that's a decision they have to make. They, they just have to make that decision. But I think that that's another reason, too, why having two dominant starters, because they'd either have Cole, if they do close out on that game and Verlander pitches on the short rest, well, then he, he you would probably stack it up with Cole the, at, in game one, You'd put it. Uh, you'd have a game two with uh, Zach Granke, and those would both be at Minute Maid Park. Then you could open in the, in the if it's against the Yankees or even against the Twins. Then you have Justin Verlander on the road for a game three. And guess what? If there's a game seven, full rest, Justin Verlander, and then you only use your 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 Jose Arquiti or whomever you want to start as your game four starter. That's where having both 
two dominant number ones really helps the Astros. Well, it really does, and they can go, they can go either way, and the only only would be left up for second guessing. I think first guessing, uh, uh, you're right, they can go either direction, and they they really don't need to be second guessed. Uh, there will be the second guessing afterwards if something doesn't work. But as far as uh, uh, that decision, I think uh, I don't have a problem with either way they go. But let's, uh, as Astro fans, uh, it would be better if they just go ahead and win three straight, not have to worry about it. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. And they're capable of this. I think we we must uh, factor in something else, the adrenaline factor. Now, that will work for both teams, but it will certainly work for a team that has been a shoe-in to win their division all year, had to go through the dog days of August, had to still just kind of wait around in September until they can clinch it, knowing they were because their schedule wasn't exactly taxing, and, uh, and, and had the extreme caution with every time somebody got a hangnail, the extreme caution of not putting in the lineup because you didn't have to. You were going to win anyway. Uh, and that's that brings us up to the Correa situation. I know this whole thing, he got babied, or he is a baby, one way or the other, but uh, he could have played a lot more than he did this year. That is, he didn't see any reason to take a chance. And as it turned out, hasn't hurt. He had a good half season as it was. And uh, with him at shortstop, if nothing else defensively, this team is so much stronger. That's not taking anything away from Bregman, but Bregman doesn't have the arm. Bregman's a steady, a steady solid shortstop. Correa can be an outstanding shortstop and then hopefully also hit on the side, and that makes that lineup something that you just can't totally shut down. You can shut down a few of them, but you can't t- shut down seven guys. It's also about the rotation, too, because – you know, when you have Correa at shortstop, Bregman moves back over to third where he's outstanding and he's your best third baseman and Yuli's at first base and he's great over there. And so, you know, once that's gone, you start shifting guys around. I would assume maybe Yuli goes over to third base and uh, Diaz plays first base. So that's a part of the equation. And I'm going to just throw something else out there that maybe none of you guys have thought about. But if there's any sort of injury situation or if he is not feeling all that great and the Astros move on to the second series and we're talking about adding another pitcher, uh, Jake Marisnik to me could be somebody that they would leave off the roster because uh, Miles Straw can play both outfield and come in and play infield in a pinch if you need him. So, I mean, I don't want to get ahead of us, but yeah, that to me, that's a possibility too, as, as you think of roster construction in the second round. Possibility, but I think the loyalty to Jake is, I mean, there are certain things they're not going to do just because of loyalty to their veteran players. I, I, and that's going to happen. They're not going to be as analytical as they are in some cases. They That would be tough. I agree everything you're saying about Straw because he can play multiple positions and he's not a bad hitter. He's 260, 270, somewhere in that neighborhood uh, without power, but uh, that would be a tough one. That would be a tough one to leave Jake off, especially since how much they value putting their strongest defense in the outfield late in games. Uh, Miles is okay. He's good and he covers a lot of ground, but Marisnik is super uh, defensively. That would be an interesting call. That, that would be would it be. for me. Yeah, for for me, Greg, That that's the difference. Is I wouldn't leave Jake off just because when you need him in the defense in the late innings, yeah, Straw is versatile, but he he's not the center fielder at all in, in my mind that Jake Marisnik is. 
No, Jake is, uh, I mean, Jake, if the gold glove was actually awarded for just defensive excellence, Jake would be a gold glove outfielder. But as we know, it, it's the best defenders that also know how to hit that, that win that award and, and play regularly. But uh, yeah, if it was just for defense, he'd win it every year. Yeah, I agree with both of you guys that uh, Jake Marisnik is not going to be taken off the roster. Uh, he's, he's just too important as a defensive replacement late. In these tight games, you just want to have your best defensive uh, alignment as possible in the outfield. Let me ask you guys this question, and, and I'll let you start off with this, Greg. Uh, how, how antsy is A.J. Hinch going to be with Osuna if he goes out there and has one meltdown? Like we saw with Ken Giles, and it took a – Took a while in, in 2017, but, you know, Presley is, you know, looks so much better. And there's been so many times where even when Osuna gets a save, it's kind of like a, I would call it sort of a half save because he really didn't have a real easy outing. He gave up a run or two. And I, it's hard for me to even remember how many one, two, three innings or his last one, two, three ninth inning that he's had in, in all these saves. Well, it bothers me with uh, sometimes losing command. Uh, he's still very hard to hit, but he ends up walking people uh, more than I like. I do think I see a difference in his pitching style, though, over the last uh, couple of weeks. You'll notice some of his tricky stuff he's not doing anymore. I haven't seen the, the stork or the 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 delay stuff uh he's mostly just throwing the ball and i perhaps someone has gotten to him on that uh for one thing i think every time he did that delay thing it was almost always a fastball coming out of his hands and pretty soon uh people figure that up uh but you know that's the thing that bothers me the most is the fact that uh he wasn't always jumping ahead of all these guys when he's good he's got strike one strike two and then the third pitch might be strike three but if it's not it's real close and uh, and so uh, I've seen that being missing a little bit. His arm is great, but I don't I don't disagree with you. I think that there are other options uh, out of the bullpen if they have to go that direction. And as we remember in '17, they basically used starters at the end of games, but they also had guys. They had more of them that they could uh, use as starters. I mean, Charlie Morton was uh, guys. He was what considered the fourth or fifth guy, and uh, there wasn't really any place for him to start. And so uh, he did outstanding. They used uh, they used other another number of their a number of their starters out of the bullpen, and uh, that could happen again. But I would not expect it to happen with anybody except possibly Verlander or Cole, and even then, not until we get down to the sixth or seventh game of the World Series. Yeah, I think this year, as opposed to 2017, the Astros have more options at the back end of their bullpen. I mean, I wouldn't have a problem if Osuna struggles to have Presley close it out. And have Will Harris as your setup man. I mean, he, he is, you know, kind of the the underrated back of the bullpen guy who's had a great year. Yeah, he's had some struggles in the postseason in the past. But again, if you're going to ride on who's brought you there lately, I, I could see a scenario that if Osuna is, is struggling, that Presley could be your closer and Harris your setup guy in the eighth inning. Well, or even reverse them if you had to. But or yeah, reverse them, yeah. And I, and I think you, there's two other guys. I don't know whether they're both going to make the roster, but they've got great arms. Uh, and they've both had moments where they didn't pitch very well, but they've also had moments where they've been just dominant, and that's uh, that's James. I said Jones earlier. It's James and, uh, and even Rondon. Uh, but and they have the kind of arms the Astros like, guys who really can throw hard. 
And when they have failings, it's usually because of command and get falling behind on counts. And uh, and uh, and or, or Rondon used to have that problem with the first pitch fastball right down the middle, which uh, gave up an awful lot of home runs on that pitch. Uh, but hopefully he's uh, he's not doing that now. Uh, but they have some arms. There's some arms down there that uh, uh, that can be scary uh, to opposing hitters, and and that's why. Um, I'm not as worried about their bullpen as uh, as you know. People are looking for a weakness because they really don't have any, and that would if if there is one, that's it. Uh, but do they really have one? I don't really think they do, especially in comparison with virtually every other team that's in the postseason. A couple of things I want to say about Will Harris, and you know, Stephen talked about how underrated he is. I think not just nationally, but by Astros fans because you know he's just been. It's just really strong all the way through his Astros tenure. But this year, more than any other, he hasn't been limping towards the finish going into the postseason like he has in past years. Yes, he struggled in the postseason, but I feel like he's looked as strong as he's ever looked in September. The other thing about Will Harris that, you know, I just heard a story with him on Colin McHugh's podcast. And, you know, we forget what a great story that Will Harris is because he's just not one of those guys that's humping it up there at 95 and 100, seemingly like everybody else is in baseball these days. And he told a story that uh, when he was in the minor leagues, it was it got to the point where it was so bad towards the end of his minor league career where his wife went to the grocery store. She said, you know, she's about to go to the grocery store. She said, we don't have any money. So Will calls his uncle up to borrow $200. They're literally out of money. Mm-hmm. And that day was the day that he got called up to the major league. So Will Harris is a great story. And he really has. He's been a great pitcher for this team for many, many years. He's like all guys. They'll have they'll go through stretches where people say, oh, get rid of here, yeah. Well, that happens. You know, Davinsky's in that position right now. But at times during his Astros career, he has been outstanding. Uh, it won't be outstanding enough to make the postseason roster, but he, he's been outstanding in the past. And uh, sometimes we forget. It's what have you done for me lately, and that's, uh, that's a tough thing to do with baseball because baseball, he plays so many games. You have to remember the ones way back there when you really were good, and that just shows you have the potential to be good again uh, as well as maybe have some off days. I like this team. I, You know, we're, we're talking about all the cautions about this first series, and they are well-intentioned and they are well-meant because nothing is – Nothing's obvious and nothing is forever. Hey, that San Diego team that upset the 100 and, and, and uh, 100 winning, 102 winning Astros team back in '98, they won 97 games. That was not a fluke. That wasn't one of those 86 game winning wild card teams. That was 97 wins. So this Tampa Bay team, 97 wins. You can't. They're not a fluke. Uh, they have been able to beat a lot of people a lot of times, and so the Astros are going to have to be on their A game, but I think they will be on their A game. They have a goal, and I don't think you see guys waste at bats. I, don't, I think you'll see very few bad swings. I think you'll see uh, this, this team will be playing uh, at the absolute best it can. I am convinced. Steven or RG, just uh, final thoughts and, and maybe some predictions from you guys. RG, do you want to start? Well, I was just going to say, I, I was echoing what Greg said there. I mean, this is a, definitely a very strong Astros team. You cannot take the Tampa Bay Rays lightly because they do have that, that win total. They've already won a postseason game against the A's going into Oakland. 
a very electric environment there in Oakland. I mean, people might joke about it, but that that stadium was rocking and basically Tampa Bay came in and shut them down. The Astros have had a fantastic season, club record and victories, but this team is just so well-rounded offensively, defensively, great pitching staff. It's just it's, it's just been a joy to watch this Astros team. And like what Greg was saying, it's difficult when you have usually there are going to be a couple of hitters that go through slumps or, or a couple of hitters that uh, you know, you, you're relying upon that might not produce. But the Astros just have so many bats. You have to feel like and pitchers are going to be facing that. They're not going to get, uh, you know, it's not where you can take a coffee break like it was during the 2005 Astros World Series when it was, uh, you know, as much as we uh, love that team, it was Osmus Everett and the pitcher. You're not going to have that anymore. You're going to have, you know, a loaded lineup from top to bottom. And the, the, the posing pitchers are going to have to face that. They have a a, you know, a top-notch starting rotation and a great bullpen. Again, I really like the Rays rotation with uh, Glasnow, with uh, Morton and and Snell kind of leading it there. And, and they have a really good bullpen. But just by and large, I just feel that this is the Astros uh, series to win. And I'm going to pick them, the Astros advancing in four. So similar to 2017 over the Red Sox in four games. I, I agree with you, RG. I, I don't think as great a team as this Astros team is, I don't see them sweeping all the way through the playoffs, all the way through the postseason, even into the World Series. I, I just think there are too many variables. And, you know, the, the thing that scares me, and, and of course, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but if they got into the World Series against the Dodgers, they've been there two years in a row and have lost. They don't want to lose a third time. So there are just so many things that come into play. But as far as the ALDS is concerned, yeah, I, I think if the Astros don't sweep, I don't see it going beyond four games. I, I will add one thing about the wild card game that we, we saw at the Tampa Bay at the long ball. Uh, they're not going to get as many meatball fastballs from this team to hit out of the ballpark. Every one of those home runs was hit off pitches that could have been on a tee. And the Astros pitchers are going to be a little bit better than that. So, uh, you know, it'll be a different story, I'm quite sure. Should have pitched Mike Fires, baby. You got to go with those ex Astros. <laughs> hey, well, yeah. hey, what do you guys think about some of these other series? By the way, what do you think about the uh, Twins and Yankees, and then over in the National League, the the Cards and Braves, and and the Dodgers and the Nationals? I think the Cards and Braves is interesting because you talk about ex Astros. Keuchel starts Fulton Nevitz game two for the Braves. I mean, we got all former Astros all over the place, uh, which again points out that uh, guys are. Scouting guys and signing guys did a pretty good job, even some of the guys from the regime before the uh, the Crane regime, because uh, some of those guys were brought in by them. But that's uh, – I think both of those are going to be good series. I mean, potentially um, – Upsets? Well, okay, they're considered upsets if the Braves win and if the uh, you know the uh, uh, Cardinals don't win. You know the, uh, uh, but I think they're going to be good series. I think uh, they really have a chance to potentially, as we use that old cliche, go either way. Even if the Yankees are favored, uh, the uh, Twins are pretty darn gone good. They're kind of like the uh, Tampa Bay club in the sense that they won a lot of games. They got a lot of guys most people have never heard of. But they're dangerous, and of course, in the Twins' case, they've got that magic, that magic man, Marwin Gonzalez, to come off the bench and do some damage. So another ex-Astro. Uh, so yeah, I think both these series are going to be great. Yeah, it's just yeah. it's a little bit different with the Minnesota Twins though, because they have the very loaded offense. They've just been a great offense all season long, knocking the ball out of the park. 
And that's going to be interesting against that Yankees pitching staff, which is going to have to patch together starters in their deep bullpen. Uh, but if you look at like the Minnesota Twins in contrast to the Rays, Rays have the excellent pitching, uh, you know, but the, the the Minnesota Twins can completely overpower you. So just interesting matchups here all around. Well, all, of course, don't forget the Twins. Twins don't have the twi- the, the uh, Rays don't have the the Twins offense, but they also hit over 200 home runs. Of course, who didn't? I guess this year, yeah. uh, everybody hit more than 200 home runs. And the Yankees exactly. and Twins both hit over 300. I would say that the, the Twins, you know, they what have they lost? 13 playoff games in a row, and, and a lot of them have been against the Yankees. I'm wondering if th- this may be the year that they snuff out that ghost, especially with the offense they have and with the questionable pitching that the Yankees have. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see this is an upset, but again, how many games did they win? 100-plus. So, I mean, it's it's not as big an upset. It's a, it's a name team upset, but it wouldn't really be as big an upset uh, as a lot of people would routinely think if the Twins did win. I got Astros in five. Greg, did you give us a prediction? I'll say four, but I'm not surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if it didn't three. I really, I think if if those three pitchers are on target, and the the Astros have the seven man batting order that I expect, I would not be surprised if it wasn't in three. But I'll 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 fudge it a little. I'll say they'll fluky lose one game and they'll have to go four. Can't wait for this whole thing to get started. It gets start it gets started tomorrow. You can be at the ballpark at ten a.m. <laughs> what I really want, though, is I want the Astros to win 11 straight games and then, without question, be declared the greatest team that's ever lived. That's what I want to see. Hey, that would be great. I think we'd all go for that. I, Absolutely. I, that's a fan dream right there. support that idea. <laughs> that's a 100% agreement on the, on the final note. Uh, thanks, guys, for doing this. Thanks for joining us. And uh, we're going to be bringing you some Astros postgame shows throughout the playoffs, so stay tuned for that. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.